Hi, welcome to episode 20 of Seize the Moment podcast. And today we're going to talk to you about... <laughs> we're going to talk to you guys about the difference between self-acceptance and growth, essentially sort of change, right? And self-enhancement or self-actualization, whatever term you guys want to use. Mm-hmm. So, um... Wait, Alan, you're like out of the shot completely. <laughs> so let's get you in a little bit closer. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. Ah, there we go. Much better. So in terms of so like uh, okay, so in terms of self acceptance, right, and self actualization. So most of our show is focused on obviously growth, right, and sort of becoming the best possible version of yourself. And so you know, I keep having like these issues with my own self, right. Not only just kind of as a therapist, like with my clients, but just with me internally. You know, trying to figure out what to throw away and what to keep, right. Which parts of myself am I supposed to work on and improve, and which which parts of myself am I essentially just supposed to accept, right? Whether they're sort of unchangeable or whether maybe it's not kind of worth changing them but like kind of my internal struggle right has been sort of where do I find a balance between growth and obviously you know kind of self-acceptance right sort of liking and or maybe even loving myself for who I am so do you ever struggle with that well one I definitely 100 percent thing is I would also just to tag what you're what you're talking about I would say that once you the best way to grow Mm -hmm. is to accept where you're currently at. I mean, you can grow not having accepted where you are. I'm sure there's many cases of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I I noticed that if you accept whatever you, uh, your limitations are or whatever your perceived limitations are, um, that's the only time that you can transcend them. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because see, what might happen in another person's case, say they don't accept their limitations, they would just be fighting against it, resisting it, kind of adding more of um, an energetic charge, so to speak, to that. And the thing is, by fighting against uh, these perceived limitations or these things about yourself that, um, uh, that you, that let's say you can't accept, Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of taking away resources like mental resources from trying to be able to try some kind of new behavior or a new belief or a new way to perceive things. Yeah. Um, like, Oh, so to go back to your question in my case, uh, let's see. Yeah. There, there have been times when I would think for instance, I would never be able to, what's a good word. I wouldn't be able to become, non-reactive mm-hmm. uh so um you may have heard of the popular book Power <laughs> no, but, right so uh what happened is like when i read that book mm-hmm. uh, one of the uh, key principles that they try to teach there that the author tries to teach is this principle of non-resistance uh, non-reactiveness mm-hmm. meaning to allow things to be right. uh also acceptance mm-hmm. which actually works that ties in um and the thing is, when I found it very, one, I like the idea of it. I thought it was attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, I figured, whoa, wouldn't that be cool if everything that occurred, I would not, be, I would be able to not resist it, mm-hmm. and then just take action based on the circumstance without necessarily adding resistance to it, adding extra thought, anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in practice. Um, even though I did have a tremendous change after reading that book and kind of internalizing what it is that they were trying to teach, uh, I wasn't perfect at it. And I would argue nobody is. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, um, 
I realized that, yeah, for example, in relationships, mm-hmm. um, even though I had read Power of Now, um, I still had uh, jealousy. Occur- this is in my younger years, mm-hmm. but I did have uh, jealousy occur and things along those lines. Mm-hmm. And even though on a logical level and also on the level of uh, like almost intuition, I understood that I should not necessarily be reacting the way I was. Mm-hmm. I noticed I couldn't at the time allow myself to feel jealous and mm-hmm. just kind of take, um, and just kind of let that be, if just, that makes any just sense. Just mindfully, right? Sort of just look at it non-judgmentally and just allow it to come and go. Yeah. And this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause here's the thing. Um, of course, I still felt the jealousy, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but the thing is to allow it to come and go, as you say, or to be without kind of adding any extra mental dialogue or kind of spinning around a story around it. Yeah. Um, at least by the time it goes, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have, um, I did just say this, but I wouldn't have added anything to it. I would have at least um maybe at some point later been able to kind of come to my senses but um yeah and so i mean you know like i'm obviously i haven't read the power of now right so i can't really comment too much on it but the thing that i really kind of as i was thinking about the topic and what i really wanted to talk about today was and just then this actually (laughs) you're smiling but it's actually not going to be about the power of now so because i really don't actually have that much to say about it but what i do have to say is about the self-help industry as a whole that it feels like a lot of times what they sort of put their what their billing is right or kind of what their main um what would you call it like their main sort of area of promotion is literally self-enhancement right sort of how do you become a better person and it's sort of become cult-like right and sometimes when people even come to therapy right their main goal is essentially like okay i want to become a better person but then also for me my thing is like it has to come within limits and so as i was struggling with this myself right because so like a while ago as obviously i don't know if you know or not but like i was like i loved self-help stuff right like not particularly um would you call it? Yeah, it's still, no, it's self-help. I would put it. So even if it's like psychology, philosophy, it's still self-help because it was geared more toward like how do you use these techniques to become better in some way. Right. And so for me, it literally turned into perfectionism. And so what I find is that for people who are obsessed with self-enhancement, right, who don't sort of view it as a balance or on balance with self-acceptance, what happens is one of three things. So you either become a grandiose narcissist and you're just in complete denial of your flaws. Mm-hmm. You pretty much become a perfectionist, right, and you become obsessed with just becoming a better person. Or you give up altogether and say, you know what, this is hopeless and I'll never become the person I am. I'm a terrible human being. This is awful and everything sucks. And so for me, unfortunately, I went through all three of these stages. And so, yeah. Uh, I can definitely relate. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about it more after you continue. With okay. It. I definitely want to. I don't want to cut yeah, you off. So. I, yeah. That's, yeah. So, and it's so interesting. So because when it comes to those three stages, I feel like I, when it comes to, let's say, perfectionism, right? When it comes to perfectionism, you think to yourself, like, if I can just reach this sort of pinnacle right and this is all connected to self-help if i could just reach this pinnacle of self-enhancement right then all of a sudden i'll be you know happy with myself so um, at one end of the spectrum i'm pretty miserable right because i'm like oh i'm not where i want to be and then at the other end of the spectrum i'm happy because i'm the perfect person whatever that even is and so what i found at least from my personal experience is there was a much nuance so you know how like people you know sometimes can really enjoy where they are like you said before kind of know that they're growing and accept that they are where they are in the process 
I wasn't able to do that. So why this topic was so important to me was because I really had to figure out for myself what it means to self-accept, right, as opposed to what it means to grow. Because I feel like for me, right, and I don't even want to say the word I feel like because I believe this to be true from my own experience and from the people I know, the people who are obsessed with growth, they essentially become stuck in this pattern of here's this thing that I want to be, here's me not living up to it, and then here's this thing I want to be, and then here's me not living up to it, right? So it's sort of this cycle that kind of perpetuates itself. And then so for me, right, when I was stuck on each of those phrases, or sorry, in each of those phases, that when it came to kind of the narcissistic phase, essentially everybody hated me, right? Because I was like, oh, I'm so wonderful, and look at how much I've grown, and I was just completely sort of um, blind to like my weaknesses. And then obviously when I felt hopeless, I felt like, oh man, like life sucks, right? Nothing good is ever going to happen for me, right? There's no way I'm ever going to change myself. There's no way I'll ever be good, right? Because that's the way I can conceptualize in a very black and white terms. And then when it comes to the other part, right, when I was sort of a perfectionist, there was this part of me that like was so driven and so obsessed with becoming the perfect person that I actually completely cut off everybody in my life or most people. Can I do this for <laughs> Why? You did the same thing? Um, I want to hear your story. something similar. Shoot. So, okay. So, first of all, let's go to the grandiose part. Yeah. So, what happened is um, when I, there was some self-help material that I digested about in general having to do with self-esteem and um confidence, core confidence, things along those nature, mm-hmm. that nature rather. Yep. And um, on many levels, I did have many epiphanies, mm-hmm. but what happened is in um, practice when I was trying out a whole bunch of new behaviors yep. for me, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I would be, uh, you could say overly confident uh, on some, here's the thing. It's not all black and white. There were many times, and I'm sure for you, you might agree with this, that you were very lucid about your state of mind. Just maybe briefly, you go in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then maybe just, and for longer, you'd stay in either a grandiose uh, phase, perfectionist phase, mm-hmm. or despair phase. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I went through the grandiose thing. And that was interesting because it was, um, I think it's good to be polarizing, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh because then at least people will care about what you're saying. Even if they dislike what you're saying, it's still emotion that's towards you, mm-hmm. uh, which at any point could be flipped. But that's a different conversation. Uh, but yes, but uh, yeah, my behavior was very polarizing in the sense that there, there are some people who, if they liked me, they really liked me. And if they disliked that behavior, they really disliked it. Here's the thing, though. I think that still actually, uh, I think that still happens, actually, if you're being authentic. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, you have to let the chips fall where where they may with your personality. And people who will like you will like you. People who dislike you will dislike you. Mm -hmm. So it's actually very similar, the result of it. But my behavior was, yeah, I had this grandiose sense of self. I was like... Uh, for instance, let's say uh, when I was learning about uh, power of now, <laughs> uh, not just power of now, in general, let's say yeah. I, in my Asian religions class mm-hmm. in, uh, in college, mm-hmm. um, learning a lot about Buddha, Hindu religions, a bunch of religions, um, Eastern, Eastern philosophy, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of them would talk about the concept of enlightenment, mm-hmm. right? And so when I was uh, quote-unquote present, uh, and I didn't see this at the time, but when I was quote-unquote present, I would then think, oh, I'm enlightened now. 
<laughs> right? Because uh, you would think that if you're pre- if you are fully present in the moment, mm-hmm. you can argue that's what enlightenment is about. It's not. It's not. A, so enlightenment. I don't like the word enlightenment. This <laughs> is very brief. Uh, enlightenment. It's. It's. See, here's the thing. It doesn't describe accurately what's happening when you're in the moment. It's kind of because the moment is constantly. Uh, changing or re- reality is in flux. Right. Uh, so if you're, so I think there should be a word that has to, that's more like a verb mm-hmm. that maybe describes what's going on mm-hmm. with that state. Yeah. Uh, but it's not like something you achieve. Like I am enlightened now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then what about the next second? Mm-hmm. Right. But that's. A, uh, but anyway. Um, right. So I would experience times when uh, I, I thought I was enlightened. Da da da. Grandiose. Okay, then perfectionist, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where I could relate to kind... Not, I didn't cut people off exactly. Mm-hmm. But because my behavior uh, from that grandiose phase, it's actually chronological, mm-hmm. uh, which is hilarious. Uh, so it went from grandiose to perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And because my behavior wasn't matching or how I felt wasn't matching to that first phase mm-hmm. of, of uh, having this grandiose sense of self, mm-hmm. um, I until I felt close or exactly as i did in that first stage yeah. uh, i wouldn't want to interact with people because i felt like my i wasn't offering the same kind of value mm-hmm. in I the felt, second stage in yeah okay. in the perfectionist stage mm-hmm. i felt like until i had this down correctly just being in the moment and not resisting what's happening and also being kind of calm around people and stuff like that mm-hmm. um i couldn't even be around them because i'd be giving off a bad um, bad um, emotion. Right, I want to say white. vibe. You see, very but, black and white, right? Same thing I had. Yeah, and mm-hmm. then of course I did have moments of lucidity. Mm-hmm. I did see what I was doing. There were moments when I did become present through that process, yeah. uh, or uh, sorry, engaged in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad sometimes saying the word present mm-hmm. because. Uh, maybe someone who's watching in the audience mm-hmm. because they're not familiar with the vernacular or rather say a whole bunch of different ways of saying it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, I would then, yeah, there's people I wouldn't talk to. It was also then when I got to the despair stage where it's like, Oh wow. Like it's really not changing. I also felt like it was kind of going down mm-hmm. and actually uh, what I didn't realize at the time was kind of like that identity was collapsing mm-hmm. And I just kept resisting its collapse, thinking I can put a Band-Aid over it and get back to the first stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize that I just kind of had to let... Yeah. I just had to kind of let them, you know, go through the motions. And and it would have probably have been done faster. Mm-hmm. But yeah, when I got to that uh, despair stage, I actually really didn't talk to a lot of people mm-hmm. until um, I got everything, all my ducks in a row, let's say. Gotcha. Um, not the healthiest solution. Actually, what I realized is paradoxically, um, even though, yes, I can understand that it's from one level, it sounds considerate to not want to infect people with a bad uh, vibe, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But also from not talking to people and friends and all of that, mm-hmm. um, even though it is kind of normal to let, nowadays for um, people to let a bunch of time pass between talking to friends because we've just gotten more busier as we've gotten older and stuff. Um, Even though that was the case, it was kind of like I was behaving selfishly Mm -hmm. by not um, talking to them. So I didn't realize I was coming from that selfish paradigm. I thought I was being selfless because uh, I don't want to infect people with a toxic, uh, bad 
vibe. Um, but I, what I realized is, yeah, if I actually did interact with um, friends, that might have actually sped up my ability to kind of accept where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, and it's not just any friends. Right. Um, you know, good friends, po- you know, positive people. Because again, uh, and we've said this before, uh, the the people who are closest to you, mm-hmm. the, I've heard it's the five people who are the closest to you kind of make up what your personality is. Mm-hmm. So uh, if somebody is coming from a low place, it is good to surround themselves with, you know, good people. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to eventually kind of come out of it. I saw what was going on. Uh, logically, it just took me a while to... Um, even while realizing what was going on, it took me a while to kind of gain momentum and kind of make steps out of that stage. Uh, I was able to do it, but it was a very, um, slow process, even intellectually understanding what was going on, Mm -hmm. but it was possible, which was good. Yeah. Well, good for you. I mean, mine was a little bit more selfish. So for me, when I was in the perfectionist stage, I really just wanted to become the the narcissistic image that I had. So I was just like, oh, I'm actually not that smart. So now rather than spend time with all of these people, what I want to do is I just want to spend all of this time learning. So it was sort of like, um, have you ever heard the story of Faust? Yes, but can you? Uh, yeah, so yeah, sure. So it's um, so this pretty much this kind of brilliant figure, right? Who's sort of um, what was it? So he's like enticed by the devil, right? So the devil sort of gives him. Uh, I don't remember exactly what it was. I think it was he pretty much gives him like um, he says like, look, if you want, like, I'll give you this sort of power, right? So for your soul, right? So essentially, if you give me your soul, I'll give you pretty much all of the knowledge of the world, right? And sort of false becomes obsessed with intelligence and with learning, right? Or, or rather, not intelligence is a bad word for it, but he pretty much becomes obsessed with the pursuit of. Knowledge knowledge so that's pretty much where i was at that point so for me like there was nothing more more important than knowledge so it was a lust after it where i was like oh my god like i have to be like one of the i it's fucking embarrassing but i was like i have to like be one of the smartest people ever like that was so important to me at the time and i really didn't even consider what i was giving up because for me like that was the only thing that made being a human being worthwhile like the more you know pretty much the better you are as a person and i mean this wasn't just kind of my idea this is something that was sort of you know from my family background like an uncle of mine was like yeah this is the only thing that really matters in life and you know kind of when i was more impressionable i was like oh like this is what a person was supposed to become so there was a point in my life where i pretty much just neglected if not completely rejected all of the people in my life and i was like oh you know what i want to spend all of my life sort of on on intelligence intellect whatever i'm becoming a smarter person so then obviously after some time i realized oh shit i have like severe limitations in my knowledge and there are things that i'll probably never know right and here's the thing right now i can tell you rationally speaking like i get it there are plenty of experts in the field right who accept that they're not going to be experts outside of their narrow domains of expertise great me at that point was like i want to just know and understand everything so i went into these different fields that i had no business in right even like quantum physics right sort of um extreme molecular biology this is like really just deep concepts right of things that i maybe understood this much and i was like no i have to understand everything right can you imagine that like me who has like no like actual scientific educational background like besides like high school or junior high or whatever i was like no i was like i need to learn these concepts so hopefully if i'm lucky i learned about like 30 percent of them but the point was that at the time that that's what i thought encompassed self-worth and self-esteem that i was only worthy of sort of love and you know kind of acceptance if i was the sort of genius intellect for the record, uh, again, why I related to the perfectionist thing, mm. I was literally doing that as well. Uh. It's it, it was just like, I felt like I had to uh, gain more... No- it was a lot of self-help related stuff, actually. Yeah. But yeah, 
I, I dabbled. I dabbled as well. I, I, I was very... Here's the thing. Once upon a time, I found a resource. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, multiple resources where I could get knowledge for free. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. And uh, it was just knowledge that if I asked my friends if they had access to this, mm-hmm. they would have said no. Yeah. Uh, it was just like lucky. So I was like, okay, this is great. And I have all these different books I can access, videos, whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Things. And so I did actually do that. But also on some level, I took a lot of it for granted. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's a different story. But yeah, I tried to learn all of it. And it was um, it was fun. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. I mean, I actually, it was kind of cool. Uh, I mean, would you say that at least... I mean, I understand it wasn't good that you were cutting people out. I'm obsessed, yeah. But... Would you say like some of the stuff you read was cool? At least here's also there the was f- some kind of value it, from it. It was, but here's also the funny thing. If I had to guess, I probably forgot like fifty percent of it, man. So that's what makes all of it so interesting. It's like you think about this thing, right? So it's like, okay, I want to be this person who's a genius, right? Have like this brilliant intellect. But then as you go through life, right? And sort of you read more and more books, you actually forget a lot of what you read in them. And what's so interesting is my college mentor, right? So he actually is a genius. So he reads about 100 books a year. So it's so bad that he actually has to have a list. So he has like a list of all of the books he's read in a lifetime. Because if you even probably go back a year, he won't even remember if he's read it or not. Where like you could give him a book and be like, did I read that? Like, you know how you would be like with a movie or a tv show but he looks at a book and says "Mm, not sure which is like crazy right so that really begs the question of what makes for a good life so is it literally sort of just sort of you know kind of um engulfing yourself with all of this knowledge and this information or is it really doing something that's a bit more intimately fulfilling actually um i still well okay and you're of course gonna agree with this uh i don't because you're not saying not to do this right but yeah when i realized obsession remember i was obsessed Mm -hmm. uh i there's um i noticed that if it's something like in a particular field that you're interested in Mm -hmm. uh and it's something that you particularly put into use here and there if not often Mm -hmm. then it actually does get internalized and you do do remember from those books you read even if it was from a long time yeah yeah so i can tell you stuff about psychology if you ask me about quantum physics not so much no (laughs) um yeah honestly i remember there was this experiment where uh the double slit thank you yeah 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 wow that's a classic that's actually a that's a that's probably one of the few experiments that i really like deeply know yeah just because i read about it like a hundred times because there's so there's so much to it like and there's so many variations of it. i heard it was uh that idea of uh there being an observer or not was debunked was it yeah because it because they they said that if an observer is present or not that affects the measurement right but uh i heard um later that um it like Neil deGrasse Tyson uh, was on Rogan show, right? And he actually uh, debunked it. I can't remember exactly what he said. You're like blowing me away. But right once now. he debunked it, there was a lot of things that I had read in. Um... See, once I saw that experiment and the results of that right. the first time, mm-hmm. and the conclusions that were drawn from it, mm-hmm. I actually then started to think, whoa, if. You're, yeah, yeah your your per- you being there yeah. affects the reality. What else about you being there might affect the reality? And a bunch of things from pseudoscience. Mm-hmm. Then start I started to make all these little connections, right. and then think some of those things might have slight validity if studied more based on the results right. of the double slit. Interesting. Uh, unfortunately. I you know I wanted it to be uh, true. Well, because I well technically according to the equations of which I 
know nothing about. So Werner Heisenberg once said that like, um, what was it? The, so you know like the wave function collapse of it? Like, you know, when you look at the particle. Are you referring to the uncertainty principle? No, so this is different. So that's been like, uh, okay, so there's a misconception of between this and the uncertainty principle. So that's about the speed. Yeah, so that's about the velocity and the position of the particle. That's something else. So in terms of like the double slit. <laughs> I'm just laughing at my own. I was like, I was like, do, do I remember this? Nope. Well, so the double slit experiment, right? So when the wave function, so remember, the wave function is pretty much just a bunch of probabilities, right? So when the wave function collapses, it's pretty much when those probabilities, whichever one, are actualized, right? When you when you view it. So Heisenberg said, according to the mathematics, again of which I do not understand because I'm definitely not a mathematician. So he says you can actually place the wave function collapse at either the observer or at the actual sort of measuring stick or the measuring device. So I was like, oh, because technically if you place it, like mathematically speaking, if you can just say it's the measuring device that's doing it, then it's actually not the observer. But the idea was that it was open-ended, or not open-ended, it's not the right word, but it was open to interpretation, right? So a lot of people, especially kind of people toward the New Age movement were like, oh, yes, let's take the interpretation of it's the observer. Whereas <laughs> the scientists were like, no, dude, it's the, it's the device, it's not the observer. Mm -hmm. So whatever, that's a whole other subject. But the, the point was, and I, I I want to talk to you about that after so but the, <laughs> the point is that like see and that actually proves the point man holy shit like if you think about it right imagine spending so much time like faust right like this person who spends so much time just learning and learning and learning only to find out that something that you held to be so sacred was bunk that's one and then two also to not be able to uh bring up every single detail that you might remember yeah. about it yeah uh, that's not exactly the case in uh, Faust. It, Faust did actually, you know, no, he, knowledge. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. but yeah, that's the thing. Like uh, remembering something that you're not studying constantly yeah. only to not remember it fully and then not be able to present it completely factually, all the facts. Right. Uh, that's something that's actually boggled my mind for, for years. Mm. I actually started studying memory at mm. one point, mm -hmm. thinking, what the hell is going on? How come I can't remember all these things that yeah. I'd learned in uh, school? Very or, or why is it that when I'm by myself, mm -hmm. uh, if I start to think about uh, psychology in general, and mm -hmm. I start to think about certain, um, I don't know, uh, not just conditioning or operant conditioning or classical conditioning, mm -hmm. uh, which, you know why the only reason I remember that now mm. because we're kind of in the midst of conversation there's this feedback kind of going on yeah and uh, maybe I'm also I heard I've heard this said uh, usually you're it's easier to access memories mm. if you're currently in the same state as you were mm -hmm. during the time you in were encoding that uh, experience yeah so, uh, but yeah, when I was by myself, I couldn't remember these things. But then if I got into a conversation, for some reason, they would be able to come out. It was like a cue. It's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I just, it, it was so frustrating. Because mm -hmm. then I started to think, because here's the problem uh, with also having a self-dialogue. Say you are not uh, in control of um, your relationship to your self-dialogue. It just kind of runs and then maybe you rationalize based off that self-dialogue. Mm -hmm. So one thing I would do back in the past is when I couldn't remember <laughs> certain things, mm -hmm. I would then think, wow, I've forgotten it. Mm -hmm. And then based on me thinking I've forgotten it, another thought comes, which is... Um, wow, uh, I'm really forgetting things. Mm. Then I try to think about another thing. Then I'll say, I forgot that thing. Mm -hmm. Then later I'll realize I proved myself wrong in conversation with someone to get right. the cue or trigger, whatever. Right, just deeper in memory. Yeah, mm -hmm. so that's that's a whole other 
Right, but that could be a, like a trap. But there. doesn't that kind of prove, at least in the respect of like, let's say, I don't know, memory and intellect, that there's no such thing, obviously, as the perfect person. And so mm-hmm. for a lot of people, they spend their time sort of becoming that, right? So in terms of even like self-help, right, for the most part, yes, it is about becoming a better human being more so than it is about becoming perfect in a sense. So not always, obviously, because there's sometimes, you know, being the most successful, which is, you know, one can link that to being the smartest, right? Somebody tries to become, let's say, highly successful. Maybe not the most, but highly successful, which obviously I would think implies obviously being highly intelligent. Or it highly implies it, you right. would think, mm-hmm. uh, stereotypically. Mm-hmm. But some of the some rich people uh, or people, yeah, there's a lot of times they're not um, the most, in, not every one of them is the most intelligent. Yeah. <sighs> Yes, uh, some of them may have um, have certain kind of systems and strategies for what uh, got them the success and what continues to get them success. Mm-hmm. But uh, to classify some of those people as uh, intelligent or highly well, intelligent, I just mean in terms of the self help stuff, like what do you try to kind of grow toward, right? Because a lot of like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen like you know the sort of Instagram kind of memes, right? Where it's like, yeah, spend like X amount of time like reading books, right, or learning or whatever it is, right? And a lot of this is self help you, and I get it, right, to an extent. But so because sometimes, with, like with me at least, you, yeah, I became obsessed with that. I was like, oh, like this, per- like let's say I don't know this inventor or whomever, right, spend this amount of time reading. Right, there was, I forgot who it was. So uh, we always bring him up, David Brooks. Right, David Brooks wrote a really good article about this. And so interestingly, this was not what I was planning on talking about today, but I think it's pretty relevant. So there was a poet, I think it was Rilke, if I'm not mistaken. Rilke. Yeah, well, yeah, so I think it was him who he was talking about. So he said essentially this person literally spent like, I don't know, 15, 16 hours of his, like his entire day of his waking hours just writing, writing and sort of like perfecting his craft. And then he had some student who was like, oh, wow, you're like amazing. Can I come do this with you? And he's like, yeah, 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 sure, kid. And so these two people pretty much had really shitty lives. Like their like relationships were garbage, right? Both of their wives, I think, left them, if I'm not mistaken. This is off the top of my head. So I know at least one of their wives left them, or at least if they weren't, if they didn't, they were super unhappy. And so their interpersonal lives were garbage, but they were great at what they did. So his protege was an excellent poet, and obviously he was a legend. And so the point was that Brooks was making, he was like, look, you can become great, right? But why is that a necessity? Like, why is that good for a happy life? If you look at the bigger picture of who these people were, they actually weren't happy, right? They didn't live what they would, what one would call a satisfying life, right? And in this case, I'm conflating the terms. Technically, it's not the same thing. But for them, he said that pretty much that they weren't happy, nor satisfied right they were actually pretty miserable and they were always constantly working on making themselves better and as any other writer they were never happy with their work either so for me it sort of came to a point right and i still struggle with perfectionism today like i mean that's not something you just kind of get rid of mm-hmm. but the point is that i once there was a point where i essentially accepted that there was no way i was ever going to be this person that i wanted to be and so why i thought this topic again you know kind of going back to our initial statement of why that topic was important of you know self-acceptance versus not even versus but let's say self-acceptance and growth or and, you know, self-actualization was essentially because that when the person, let's say, wants to, or when a person really wants to kind of live a meaningful and fulfilling life, you can't just live towards growth. It's just, for me at least, it was definitely impossible. Yeah, on Hmm. that, um, yeah, that's something very important to realize. Um, Not just because trying to focus too much on on growth will take away from all these other areas of your life and it could make you happy, sorry, unhappy Mm -hmm. or dissatisfied, Mm -hmm. which would mean non-acceptance of of yourself. But uh, there has to be this understanding that there's, um, 
it's not just growth that occurs in life. It's mm. not just a phase of growth. There's also a phase of decay. Yeah. And term at least in terms of um, how long you're alive on this earth, yeah. right? Um, you can only grow so much. There's a point when th- that. Well, maybe you can build up all these skills so you can grow those skills. Mm -hmm. But eventually they will go. It's not something that will be here forever. Since that's the case, understanding that and accepting that uh, would definitely lead to a more happy and fulfilling life. Um, And that's that's what I mean. Like, where's the sort of that balance, right, with self-acceptance and growth? And, you know, Yeah, I, I... think that what happen what'll happen is if somebody can be interested in growth mm-hmm. for instance um i believe you are yeah. and well. i definitely am 100%. <laughs> I mean, we do the show <laughs> fair, enough. Right. fair enough uh but yeah uh, even realizing that for instance say i'm attempting to i'm in a, some kind of phase where i'm attempting to grow mm-hmm. but i'm not successful mm-hmm. for some reason along that path yeah if I, if I beat myself up, that will um, that will just create a whole bunch of problems. Uh, it might affect the show, could affect my family life, my friends, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. If on the other hand, though, even while pursuing the growth, I accept that it's okay mm-hmm. that I didn't grow yeah. or I didn't um, go past whatever. Uh, achievement I had before right. maximize your potential right like mm-hmm. for instance say one of the things I'm working on uh, which I am is just uh, speaking on the podcast not having too many ums and ahs in my statements yep. and being able to articulate a thought very clearly without necessarily conveying my fluttering stuttering mental thought processes as I'm trying to get something out there yeah so arguably, I feel like it's better than when we started, mm-hmm. right? But there were times when I felt like, it, for example, our first episode, I thought actually, even though I understand it was the first episode, um, and there there could have been many issues there, and there were, sure. It uh, wasn't perfect? <laughs> it wasn't perfect? No. Uh, so, uh, so pretty much. But I, I did feel very in line with my speaking then, mm-hmm. of course. But then there were... Things uh, like, um, there, there were, uh, how should I put this, like, kind of like, uh, when, for example, let's say we had, when we had our first guest, mm-hmm. the, the way I was, I wasn't very in line with my speaking, I wasn't um, congruent with uh, past skill, mm-hmm. and of course, I, yeah, I could have beaten myself up for that, but... Instead, what I decided to do was just kind of accept that and that we're just, you know, we're still doing the podcast. More skill will come as we yeah. keep doing it. Things along that line of thinking. And there were times when the uh, speaking improved. Mm-hmm. And then there were times, again, where there was kind of this a little bit back on some episodes, yeah. in my opinion. Other people, maybe when they're observing it, yeah. they might not even be aware of it. Uh, maybe they are. And maybe just not. FYI, right? So studies do show that it actually makes you likely more likable. What? So remember we talked about? I think maybe we did. No, we had to have. So the thing is, so like if you're already viewed as being competent, let's say from even our podcast, right? The 
well, these guys know a decent amount about flow, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty bright guys, right? So then if you kind of stutter and mutter or whatever, fumble along the way, it's actually viewed as endearing. So that's so cool about like kind of what research shows is that, so let's say if somebody's initially viewed as competent, right? And they spill coffee on themselves, right? They're not going to be viewed as a klutz. They're actually going to be viewed as a human being to the people who are looking at them, right? Especially if they're like in kind of some higher position. Mm. So, or like whatever, not even, I may not say that, that kind of muddies it. So they're just viewed as competent, right? And so let's say they spill coffee on themselves then the people who are kind of around them think wow like you know he's just like us or he's just a human being and so kind of off off kind of camera right a lot of what we talk about is sort of how do we kind of expand their audience right and vulnerability right because i mean that kind of unites us or links us to other people which i really think is obviously the point of the show right and i'm sure you agree so for us right the thing that makes us vulnerable right is the scary part right sort of revealing our weaknesses or revealing those flaws but that's also the thing right especially sort of with this foundation of competence which I mean, I, I assume at least we've established at this point, right, based on the topics that we talked about. So there are people out there who are going to listen to this and hopefully say, hey, wow, no, I really like these guys because they remind me a lot of us. And sort of that's the problem with perfectionism. And that's the thing that I didn't see while I was chasing glory in essence, right, becoming this, you know, genius-like person, was that I would never actually be sort of connected to other human beings. And that's the thing that Faust actually learned. So in the book, he actually dies like this pretty lonely and miserable person, right, although a genius, obviously, but nobody can connect to him, right? So when it comes to kind of perfection, the thing that people, a lot of times, me, myself included, right, this is something that took me a while to get, that a lot of times what they don't understand is that perfect people are really intimidating, right, which means that obviously people won't want to be around them because like who wants to be around somebody who's perfect, that'll in turn make the other person feel inferior. And then on top of that, a lot of times they're not empathic. And you find that with a lot of, not everybody, but you find that with a lot of successful and intelligent people, right? So if they are narcissistic and they can't accept those flaws in themselves, they can't accept those flaws in other people. So then twice right you get two barriers you have the being intimidating part and then you have the other part the non-empathy right that sort of keeps people away from you and that's the thing that happens with a lot of geniuses like faust right a lot of people didn't want anything to do with him and i actually had the same issue so when i was you know kind of in my perfectionistic stage people didn't like me, right? So I would argue it's even possible that the two, that and narcissism were conflated. That it was like on the one hand, sometimes I was like, oh no, I'm not perfect, I need to get there. And then like two minutes later, I'm like, no, I am, I feel great about myself. And then so what unfortunately it did, is it kept people away from me. And mm. so like, I know we had that show about dating and like it's so cool how everything that we talked about kind of ties in together. And so a lot of what kept people away from me in dates, and this was this was another thing that I took, took me like forever to realize, was that I was super fucking intimidating, right? And, and it was like because I really tried to so like when I would go on a date with a girl literally what I would do was like a litany of my accomplishments I'm like oh hey by the way I did this thing I did that thing oh yeah I did this other thing and then like the person is sitting there looking at me like oh my god and I'm like not processing this at all and then like of course they want nothing to do with me and then I'm like I just don't understand man what is wrong with these people like I'm just like this great yeah 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 no it's that bad hey, hey I'm happy you were aware of that <laughs> yeah. eventually yeah so, so and it was like for me I didn't get it right so i was like i don't understand i'm just like you know here's the thing right because i was so insecure and because i was such a perfectionist so look and i'm not using this as an excuse but this is why i did it so it wasn't that so i'm assuming the way the person felt was like oh wow like he's trying to show me that he's like you know superior like this great person actually that wasn't what i was doing i was just trying really really fucking hard to impress the girl so i was like no 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 like please like me like here are all of these different things that like they're good about me so but from her end it was likely like oh my god he's such an asshole he's making me feel like shit about myself
What? So, I, yeah, you might like this, and I think probably somebody from the audience might appreciate this too. Shoot. Uh, when you're telling somebody your qualifications, and, and you even said that you were trying to impress, before you even said that, I immediately thought this thought. Yeah. Um, so whenever you're telling someone your qualifications, in a way, okay, yeah, you're literally qualifying yourself, which means yeah. that you are in reaction to the person. Mm-hmm. Now, if that person hasn't done much or hasn't already said it that much mm-hmm. yet, yeah. uh, beyond the normal stuff like, hi, what's up, all that, yeah. uh, then if you are in reaction, then the person who is uh, most reactive mm-hmm. in the conversation tends to have the weaker... Let's use the word frame. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a better word. I don't want to say reality. Okay. So I got that from a self-help area. <laughs> but long story short... The power of now? No, I'm no, kidding. No, okay, I'm kidding. Definitely not that. Okay, okay. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so if, yeah, so if the person has a weaker frame, that doesn't help in the uh, attraction game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to call it a game. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you got me. I mean, sorry. Uh, but whatchamacallit? I definitely hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I understand you. I said I hear you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's an interesting little thing for, on the side. But, um, yeah, the fact that you were able to become aware of that is, is, uh, is amazing, actually. <laughs> Fucking God. Because think about the amount of people who would have been in your position who did not become aware of that mm-hmm. and continued that behavior. Mm. Not just that. Think about say they did eventually learn about the behavior think think about maybe how much time maybe could have passed for, depending on the person yeah that that's insane the fact that you got it at this point in your life is fantastic because uh i mean i'm sure there's of course there's more to learn that's without goes without yeah. saying mm-hmm. but that's great because to be aware of yourself and how you're uh, acting mm-hmm. and the fact that you realize this at a young age yeah. is fantastic for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. which is great. So if anyone's listening uh, is either around our age or even younger, or it doesn't even matter if you're older, it's fine. The thing is, it's just the earlier you learn this stuff, it's just, it's amazing the kind of consequences it has in your life. And mm-hmm. then it kind of... I wouldn't say it compounds. I wouldn't say this is like an exponential thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, not like that quantifying like that. But I would definitely say that the longer that you're like this, you get way more uh, benefits from it. That may not be the goal, or mm-hmm. maybe that shouldn't be the goal. Mm-hmm. It should just be authentic, genuine. Everything should be genuine. Mm-hmm. But as a symptom of that, it's just a tremendous amount of benefits you get. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was interesting because the article that I was telling you about earlier, the one on intimidation on from Psych Today. So I think it's a recent, yeah, it's a recent article. Oh, shared on, you seize the moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Really, really good art. If you ever get a chance, man, it's so good. So essentially what the author in it argues, so like what she does is she goes to these different points of like intimidation, right? So how people who are, let's say, formidable and physically strong, right? They're intimidating, right? People who are brilliant, right? And obviously intelligent, they're intimidating. Um, Sometimes even people who are super shy can be intimidating, right? Because they seem standoffish. And I was that person too, by the way, because I'm super shy. And that's like another part of me that I had to learn to accept because like, whatever that maybe we'll talk about a little later. But the point is that that's kind of in terms of the self-acceptance, you know, sort of, um, what are 
some sort of growth, right? Paradigm, right? The kind of shyness has become more in the, along the lines of acceptance. But the point was that the author essentially argued, she said, look, as long as you're coming from the framework of having like really low self-esteem and a pretty shitty self-image, what's going to happen is you're going to try really hard to impress people, right? You're going to pretty much try to kind of put, pick yourself up and puff your chest. So the problem is that every single time you do that, obviously you're going to push people away from you, right? Because let's say even if, you know, kind of appearance, right, is your thing. And then you kind of pretty much brag about how many people are attracted to you. You're going to do the same thing, right? The other person's going to be like, oh my God, like I have so much competition. I don't want anything to do with this person, right? Because I'm going to probably get rejected. So the author essentially says, look, if you don't base your self-esteem on something internal, right, rather than extrinsic, like looks, you know, kind of success, even intellect can be sort of considered extrinsic, right? Because it's something that kind of fades, right? It's not something that you're fully in control of. It's not something that you can just say, oh, I can be intelligent today, right? It doesn't work that way. It's an extrinsic quality in the sense of it doesn't really belong to you then in the way that you can control it, right? Whereas it changes constantly. Yeah, and then it's not something that's determined by your actions, which is what she's saying. So she says that, like, look, essentially, if you base your self-esteem on, let's say, being a good person, right, sort of being morally forthright, right, or morally upright, rather, and if you kind of put yourself out there in terms of, let's say, you have a strong character, right, you're resilient, let's say you're brave, you're courageous, you deal with challenges in a very sort of, uh, what's the word, in a very kind of mature way, for lack of a better term, right? You can just say, look, look, this is the problem, right, and I'm going to try to figure out a way to resolve it you're going to do the right thing even when it's hard to do the right thing you know bobby kennedy once said that moral courage is essentially a rarer commodity than intelligence right so if you can do these things right that are always within your control then you have a core sense of who you are and unfortunately i can't say that i'm there yet right but that is my goal essentially to say like look to kind of reframe self-esteem in that direction and to say that look i'm not good or i'm not good enough or whatever it is because i'm intelligent right because i'm let's say maybe attractive let's say you know kind of in good shape whatever it is, right? Not not saying I agree or don't agree with any of these things, just saying external qualities, <laughs> right? But the, the point is that if I can go in it inside, right, and I could be, or I could come from an internal perspective of I'm just good enough because essentially we're all good enough, right? In the sense of that, to some extent, we either are or we can be these particular things, right? We can be morally upright, we can be courageous, we can sort of show, show strength of character in difficult times, then I won't need to obviously brag about it, all, you know, because I could say like, oh, no, like you're you're this thing too you can be the same thing right so even though you might not let's say have a high enough iq as let's say i don't know albert einstein or stephen hawking whomever i don't know we're all the same in that respect right because this is what really matters and i mean my hope is that i can get to that point not saying i'm there not blaming our culture but it is kind of hard obviously to sort of say no no this is why i feel good about myself but the point is the author that she was making was that look every time that you're pretty much intimidating right and she said by the way sometimes it's not your fault right sometimes you can just be smart and you're like not trying to brag or you're not projecting anything not projecting you're not sort of amplifying your accomplishments or even noting them and the person is like oh no like oh my god he's or she's smarter than me now i want nothing to do with him but just one more second so but then but the point that the author was making that's like look when it is in your control she says just like try to work on your self-esteem right try to work on the, just knowing that it's on what albert ellis called unconditional self-regard that matters right loving yourself no matter what because of your sort of innate qualities even though that's technically not what he said but that's what she was saying mm -hmm. yeah yeah um would you say that a symptom of self-acceptance would of course be uh in this theoretical of course mm -hmm. but uh, if you accept yourself you're more likely to accept others yes absolutely yeah, because by the way because that's what it really is so when I like really disdain people and there really was a time right because like so for me when I was a kid like I was bullied and like so I really hated people like a lot so especially like when I was you know kind of a teenager and so for me it was really I hated them because I hated myself right so all of the shit that I hated about myself 
just tossed it right out. I was like, oh, I'm not in these things. You're all these things. You and you and you and you. So yeah, so it is that. So the thing is, it's like, when again, going back to that perfect person, right? So when you can at least consider yourself to be the perfect person, then you don't believe you have flaws. You can't empathize with other people's flaws. So you can't say like, oh, well, you know what? I'm actually not as smart as I think I am. And therefore, I can accept this person when they make a mistake or when they make a blunder in something or whatever it is, right? Some kind of like, you know, what do you call it? Faux pas or something. Mm, no, 100% yeah. faux pas. Yeah. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then so, and it's the same thing with any other thing. Like when, let's say, I don't know, when we tell somebody that they haven't tried hard enough, right? And it's really only because you haven't experienced that or at least believe that you haven't experienced that. It's like, oh, why didn't you get an A? You should have gotten that instead of whatever was a B or a B plus, right? But then it's like, hello, what about all of the grades, the, you know, crappy grades in your mind that you got, right? What about the times when you didn't sort of perform up to standard? But the point is because we suppress a lot of these ideas or a lot of these memories. We're like, no, 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 it's not me. It's you. Like, I'm great the way I am I'm super smart and I'm super conscientious you're the one who's not doing the right thing but it's like when you accept yourself again this is hard right but when you at least kind of start to try to accept yourself as you are what happens is it's much easier for you to accept the mistakes and the flaws of other people and again this is within limits because some people really are just super shitty there's no question about that where they're like you just got to set boundaries with them but then for the most part if I had to guess 75 to 80 percent of people are pretty decent human beings out of curiosity sure. would you say if somebody was uh either meditating or practicing mindfulness. Yeah. In the moments that they are uh, engaged in the moment or are paying attention without thinking, mm -hmm. also known as present to the moment, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever words you want to use, yeah. would you say that because you are actually in the moment, mm -hmm. at that point in time, you are in acceptance of yourself? Because it's not necessarily a... It's not like a mental... Would you say that you necessarily have to have a mental understanding that I meant, yes, I accept myself, like you said that internally, and then all of a sudden, and then you try to feel it? Or would you say that in practice, it's kind of, uh, since there wouldn't be that internal dialogue, mm -hmm. because you're in the moment, mm -hmm. would you argue that you're being most, your, not most yourself, but you're being your mm -hmm. self or accepting yourself by not engaging in the self-dialogue by being present to the moment or maybe just to kind of conceptualize it a bit differently maybe it's neither maybe it's just you just shutting it off completely and not deciding or having to decide whether you should or shouldn't accept yourself it's just being right mm -hmm. but then if you are being mm -hmm. you can argue that you're accepting well, things are getting good. really esoteric. <laughs> and this is like very, yeah. What is. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay, I agree with you. Right. Yeah, 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 I hear you. <laughs> yeah, so that's technically acceptance. Okay. And then, would you say, okay, this is interesting because say anytime that uh, mental dialogue comes up, mm -hmm. uh, the times that it comes to you, let's say automatically, by practicing uh, being in the moment, slash meditating, slash mindfulness practice, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, you would be kind of gaining momentum into being more your, uh, more of a, a, the self that accepts yourself i mean wow. I, I guess if, if wow. you're if you're looking at it from the standpoint of you're just being and not judging yourself then yeah i could see how that could be viewed as self-acceptance Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
All right, so that's that's good. Just wanted to throw that out there, yeah. just as like a kind of a thought experiment. Yeah, because technically, from the way you dis well, yeah, from the way you describe it, and also what the kind of actual term of mindfulness is. I mean, it technically is just a being and sort of like allowing thoughts, allowing just the world, allowing even yourself to be without judgment. So if that's the case, then yeah, I think it could be viewed as self acceptance. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, okay, so that could help someone. Yeah. In case they're attempting to. Uh, yeah. Become more self-aware. Yeah. Because one thing about and the, self-accepting. Yeah. And self mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, the the person uh, you use as an example, someone who's a genius, right. who may not even be aware of the effect that they're having on someone. Mm-hmm. So then I would of course say to that, okay, then uh, the remedy to that would be to become more self-aware. Mm-hmm. But then. Um, that's easier said than done, mm-hmm. which is kind of why before even having said that, that's why I brought up the meditation thing, yeah. because uh, at least that's a that's a good pre- uh, pre- preface to yeah <laughs> both words uh, are fine yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to what you call it to uh, trying to become self aware because the thing is uh, I noticed some people are so in such a momentum with their thoughts. Mm-hmm and uh, beliefs and actions that they may not actually take uh, time to have sort of to kind of become a little more introspective for mm-hmm. a bit mm-hmm. and take a look at what it is they're thinking kind of watch what they're thinking yeah. so uh, I realized that yes yeah, something like meditation or mindfulness practices and then there's other things as well uh, TM mm-hmm. I just uh, I, I, I don't know too much about TM uh, but I've heard people like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, espouse how great it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I just haven't checked it out. Maybe one day, mm-hmm. but that could be a resource. Just trying to throw it out for the audience, if anything. Right. Um, what would What would you say is a maybe something someone can do to become a little more uh, self aware? Mm-hmm. So this way they could then get into. Uh, attempting to accept themselves where they're at mm-hmm. because the thing is on one le- I'm sure a lot of people can uh, easily identify with uh, trying to be in a growth phase mm-hmm. actually so I'm sure there's going to be people who are not identifying with that as well mm-hmm. but uh, then also may identify with the self-acceptance side of it mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think yeah what we should try to say is how to uh, maybe attempt to accept yourself mm-hmm. um, well, and- do you mean the good and the bad yes Oof. So like, here's also going to be the question, right? Which is why I think it's such a big distinction. It's such a tough distinction. How do you realize or how do you kind of acknowledge what you should and shouldn't accept, right? Uh, maybe mm-hmm. we actually said something before on one of our other podcasts mm-hmm. about um, writing down. Okay, this is in relation to finding your purpose. Oh, this is the last podcast. Ha <laughs> ha. Okay. So. Episode uh, 19. Episode 19. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Writing down what your values are, mm-hmm. do you think that could help? Yes, that's big. That's actually really big in all of this, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, if someone, all right, so, so say someone uh, tried to be uh, self-aware, they said what their values are, so they're aware of their values. Mm-hmm. I suppose they try to live in alignment as best as they can with their values, yeah. while not judging themselves, mm-hmm. therefore not judging others. Well, that's not therefore. That's not the point of the podcast. But that that might be a symptom of it. If they accept themselves, they might not. Mm-hmm. Uh, they would. They would accept others. Mm-hmm. <sighs> mm. 
what do you, yeah, what else do you think somebody could do to try to um, accept themselves? Well, so, I mean, we have this phrase, and I think I've mentioned this before in, like, therapy, right? So self-disclosure begets self-disclosure. So, look, a lot of it is actually being vulnerable and just being open with other people. So the best way for us to accept ourselves is literally through others. So if you can allow yourself to be vulnerable and say, hey, look, these are kind of my weaknesses and my flaws, right? Depending on what they are, right? Because obviously, if you're a murderer, I mean, nobody's going to like you. That's just kind of a thing in our source. What about another murderer? <laughs> well, yeah, I would argue that... Is that a positive reframe? <laughs> no, Right, so it, this all has limits, obviously, but the point is, for the most part, we're not as terrible as we think we are. So if you allow yourself to be more vulnerable with other people, you find that, like, they're like, oh, wow, like, no, these are things that, I, like you did, right? When I was like, hey, here are the things that I struggle with, and you're like, oh, my God, I struggle with these things, too, right? So essentially, by, like, two people accepting one another's struggles because they are their own, again, they're not perfect. I empathize with you because, literally, I understand what you went through. So that is a great way to accept yourself, by having another person show you that, it might be normal. I mean, not necessarily normal, but it's something that at least other people experience or it could be normal if they say, hey, by the way, no, no, no. I know these other guys that have gone through the same thing. But just to answer your question, but the point is that like when you have two people, right, who are sort of in union in that way where they can kind of, let's say, I don't know, conjoin and say, oh my God, like we've been through these things together. We've made all of these mistakes and they're so similar and it's so crazy. I can't believe it. I've never told anybody about this. I didn't think anybody would understand. So that is a great way for self-acceptance. And I've really think that that's for the most part the point of therapy so like where people come and they share these sort of really what to them are not that bad these things about themselves that are so seemingly terrible and their therapist goes um yeah I, i've even done that like and they're like what <laughs> right and through that like they kind of learned that they're whatever their sort of flaws are and and i really use this term loosely right i just use it to distinguish well, like what people see in their minds right mm -hmm. in terms of strengths and weaknesses i'm not even saying they are flaws because hypothetically speaking they may not be right depends on who you're asking but the point is that when it comes to these flaws if you can reveal them if you have the courage to reveal them to another person and the other person says yeah okay i mean i either went through this or that doesn't sound so bad essentially you can learn to accept yourself through it okay so two aha moments from that mm. one is yes uh through uh disclosing what you feel to someone else and then actually realizing that uh, they can relate to you and having that kind of feedback yep. that could actually open you up make you uh, you, you you would be vulnerable with that person and in that sense by getting all that stuff out and seeing this is a common thing mm -hmm. you would be able to accept yourself okay yep then uh second aha moment is therapy actually which is fantastic for anyone who feels like they wouldn't be able to uh, they feel at least in their mind they feel like they wouldn't be able to disclose it to anyone close to them right um, or potentially anyone new because they're new, maybe. Yeah. I'm just speculating. Mm -hmm. um, now, what would you say to the person who uh, doesn't have access to the therapy mm -hmm. and uh, has trouble being vulnerable to uh, with other people? Oh, another episode that we're going back to. The one with Steph, right? What do we talk about in terms of empathy? Read books. Ask yourself, are there other people who have been through these experiences? Can I find books that relate to those other people with these similar experiences? So little by little, as you see that other people have gone through your, let's say, whatever they were. Obviously, but for different people, they're different. But the point is that like from books, right? And that's why I really, really love that episode. By the way, guys, check that one out with Steph Kent. Such, just, I thought she was a really wonderful guest. And so what's so cool about books is that they literally help you not only empathize with other people, which was obviously one of the main points 
that we talked about, but also learn to accept yourself because you're like, oh my God. So James Baldwin, right? He once said something along the lines of, right, you think your suffering is your own until you read, literally. And then you're like, oh, oh my God, these other people suffer. And then it's like, you realize that your suffering is not only your own, but it's sort of spread amongst the plethora of people, that there's so many people that have your particular struggle. And so the point is, as you kind of go through these different pieces of literature, you realize that there are other people who are just like you. And if they can somehow find a way to love and accept themselves, so can you. And so if, okay, so first of all, that's brilliant. But then say uh, there's no uh, book, hmm? the, the, or sorry, no, no book. <laughs> say, there's there books, books on everything. <laughs> yeah. Go online. S say <laughs> say uh, they don't have access or they don't want to read, let's say. So they're not a reader. Uh, Pick up a book, would right? You, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. We encourage you to read. Please but, read. Yeah. But, uh, anything. But... But say that's not something uh, they're interested in. Yep. Uh, would you say uh, podcasts? Yeah, of course. Uh, just in general, YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe you never know, maybe, or even a movie. Yeah. Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so that's great. Okay, so that works. Um, I'm just trying to tackle it from all possible. Oh, and scenarios. by the way, and also support groups. So like you can go on the meetup group for virtually anything. Meetup group for people with social anxiety. Sometimes people meet up groups like we're struggling. Yeah. A meetup group for people oh, with works. social anxiety. Oh, it works. Oh my God. So first of all, so one of my clients who I kid you not was one of the most socially anxious people I've ever met in my entire life ever. So this person, right? So... <laughs> I'm listening. No, yeah, I don't so, mind me. so he goes to like this party, right? Like on one of these big holidays, right? And in the party, right? So there's him and there's this other girl. He literally approaches her and says something along the lines of like, hey, this party really sucks. She's like, yeah, no, this party really does suck. They've been together ever since. I was like, how did you do it? He's like, I don't know. I just did it. And it was like wonderful. This was a social anxiety. Yeah, he, but it was a social anxiety meetup and he had one of the most severe forms of social anxiety I've ever seen. Like he puts my social anxiety to shame when I talk about being shy. Like he was just on a whole other level. Like he just no eye contact, literally just didn't know what to say ever, freezes up or used to freeze up all the time. He literally approached this girl. I was like, yo, that's amazing. And they've been together since. So wild. So Do you think it's because because it was a social anxiety yeah. group? In his mind, he's thinking, oh, okay, I definitely know this other person has social anxiety. That's it. Therefore, it feels safe? Yes. That's fascinating. And it had to have been it. I'm not saying, that's not what he told me, by the way, just FYI. But uh, my oh, assumption. If you have to speculate. Yeah, yeah, if I had to speculate, yeah. Because, like, the thing is, like, oh, when I meet people, like, I'm more comfortable actually around shy people than I am around super confident people. So, because I am that. And so, when I'm around this person who's obviously, at least in some, to some respect, shy, I'm like, okay, cool. This is a person I can, like, get along with. And they're sort of genuine to me. Whereas the other person, I'm like, oh, no, nah, I don't want anything to do with them. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Just trying to see if there's any other angles to tackle this from. Only because I'm just trying to think about um, the person who might be watching it. Mm -hmm. Just trying to not hit every one of the excuses. It's not an excuse type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of like, um, I don't know. Do you feel like we're missing anything exactly? or Well, in terms of the show altogether? Yeah. 
I guess in terms of the topic of what to change, right? So, I mean, we talked about self-acceptance. And so there are definitely still parts of us that we do need to sort of grow out of and parts of us that we need to change. So, like, sometimes, again, I'm just going to go back to me because obviously it's the easiest sort of example. So, for me, you know, it's kind of hard to figure out, like, what is it that I'm capable of changing and what I should change? So, obviously, that was one example, right? Sort of not kind of listing off my, my resume on the first day, right? So, but then also, like, being kind of shady to people or closing people off or even, let's say mm, really just being more mindful obviously about the things or rather about the way your behavior affects people i think that's really important so when it comes to sort of change right here's the kind of tricky part though so but this is a, a like I, i'm going to qualify this by saying this is sort of across the board and on average so technically speaking when it comes to personalities like when it comes to the big five traits right sort of neuroticism uh, agreeableness openness Hey, I forget the rest of them. Crap. <laughs> so whatever it is, it's like neuroticism, agreeableness. I forget assertiveness. No, no it's right? not. No, it's not assertiveness. I used to know the Wait, big five. No, wow. I'm gonna now. I oh, have okay. to because right. I, I feel like an asshole. Hold on, no, I, and I can okay. pull this up in like two seconds. So okay, here we go. Boom. Oh, I actually thought you had it right away. No, not okay. Here it is. I actually kind of do. Okay, openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. There it is. So, what kind of research finds is that, unfortunately, on average, for the most part, like even though people's personalities change in adulthood, they actually don't do so very much. So, like they slightly change, which is obviously kind of shitty. But then also the beauty is that when you come to therapeutic studies, then like let's say with different personality disorders, unfortunately, right when it comes to like the effective treatments, right scientific validated ones cbt dbt transference focused psychotherapy right sort of these ones that deal with the difficult personality disorders what you find is that essentially that they're gone right so that these people no longer meet the criteria for them so what's so cool is that even though the general studies show that like on average most people don't change with when it comes to therapy they actually do and like haha yeah i'm selling therapy now but unfortunately I mean, it does work it's not like you're telling everyone who's watching to go to your yeah yeah so just go to therapy even, yeah. even if you were that's fine too you should you should if you're providing some kind of service get paid it's not like a crazy uh, for example in the spiritual community for instance mm. uh there are some teacher teachers uh, uh i feel bad for doing that uh, but there are teachers who will kind of disdain mm -hmm. the uh, material uh, mater materialism right. and uh I do, i'm not in agreement with that because you kind of still live in a, in a world that requires you to uh not just survive kind of if you want to enjoy it if you want to enjoy it you'd have to thrive yeah. in it mm -hmm. and then what would you be doing if you wanted to do the best you could possibly in that way right. or, or the best you you could up to the you know what kind of problems you'd be willing to deal with yeah uh, well so my middle ground is going to be just go to therapy guys <laughs> anyway just see any therapist so but the good thing is about the studies that when it comes to therapy is that they actually show that people do really substantially or can substantially change so when it comes to sort of acceptance right like oh so here it is for me right from my end and i think that i want to know your the kind of perspective too from you right so for me i've decided that i'm going to just accept like social anxiety and being shy i don't care anymore i've tried to deal with this thing for years it literally has gone nowhere so although obviously i'm much more likely these days to attend events that i wouldn't have otherwise i'm still like a mess especially the first time around like i don't even know what i'm doing or saying and sometimes i completely shut down and sometimes like oh i talked to one person today cool i'm done like i could go home so i'm accepting that i don't care it doesn't affect anybody and it's like for me it just doesn't and no matter what i've tried for it all of the exposure done nothing so but when it comes to change right the things that i'm going to change is like that like 
like sort of you know sort of a try at least i'm gonna say try i'm not gonna say i will so that's because that's hard so but just kind of like on the date you know where when i meet somebody not just to list off a whole litany of my accomplishments i'm gonna try my best not to do even when a person asks because that's when it's tempting like oh like what have you like done or what are you proud of or what do you do for a living and i'm like oh now that you want to know this here are all of my qualifications so i'm going to try my best to limit them obviously so those are the things that i'm going to change right the things that sort of sabotage me in terms of my own happiness like obviously dating and then also the things that hurt other people like obviously when i do say something i know and it's pretty senseless like if somebody's going through a hard time and i'm just like oh here here's this thing that i'm really happy about right i'm going to try my best not to do that but what about like for you like what like, if you had to think of the things that you had to accept right the qualities that where you're like you know what it's either they don't affect me that much and i don't really care enough to try to change them or i've really tried hard and it just it's not working and then like what are those things and what are the things that you're like no like i have to still try to work on getting better okay so uh once upon a time when i was um attempting to learn more social skills so mm -hmm. that i can um, one have more success in relationships but also kind of just have more success in life in general mm -hmm. and meet more people and also people who are considered uh, quote unquote high status and all that mm -hmm. and the thing is when I started that out uh, one thing I uh, would do is I would just kind of try to highlight uh, my own behaviors or try to appear entertaining or uh yeah, be entertaining, be funny, all that kind of stuff. Try to just convey personality traits that could seem very interesting to someone. Right. But one thing I, I didn't realize uh, was that I was focused too much on me mm -hmm. and not enough focused on them. Mm -hmm. I I did, uh, of course, if you asked me, I, of course I cared about the other person. It's not like... Um, I did this on purpose. It's uh -huh. just a kind of learned behavior. I, I didn't know that I was doing this. Yeah. But apparently, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, put my concerns on the other person. I would talk too much about what's going on with uh, with me, mm -hmm. uh, even if it's to be entertaining to make them happy. Right. Uh, on one level, yeah, I can see how I'm caring about their happiness in that sense. But it's not like I was asking, how are you? How was how was your day? I understand these are very cliche It's kind of more questions. about being liked. Um, it's Yeah, it was coming from that sort of... Mm -hmm. it, it seemed to be coming from that place. Yeah. Um, then when I realized this, I actually just made more of an effort to try to ask, uh, how was how someone doing? And not just ask, but of course mean it and be genuine about it. As and, details. Of course. Yeah. And then the thing is... Um, as soon as I realized that I wasn't uh, making it about them or about the other person, mm -hmm. that was actually enough for me to um, ask genuinely how they're doing because, uh, again, I did care how people were. I just didn't understand what I was doing. I didn't look at, I had a blind spot to this. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that I was not focusing enough on the other person's concerns. Mm -hmm. Um and that's that's one thing uh what's other behaviors um oh okay yeah when i used to get a, oh i never told you this i used to have crippling anxiety mm. like i when i was on the train let's say going to let's say school like a mm. uh, hunter college um i would have uh, i could i had to sit like uh i'm sitting straight right uh let's say i got a seat on the train mm. this is new york city and there's people to the right of me and to the left of me. I couldn't even turn to the right or <laughs> yeah. left without 
feeling like some kind of strain. Like, do you see my kind of muscles kind of tensing up? Mm-hmm. I couldn't even do it without a muscle tensing up. Mm-hmm. And I, I just couldn't look at other people. Mm-hmm. And if, if I did, Twitch, something like that, yeah. uh, it was bad. <laughs> we can laugh at it now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. And plus I'm talking about my own thing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think that's fine, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, of course, I'm, I don't, if somebody's experiencing yeah, that, no, no, res- yeah, yeah. respect and complete empathy, because mm-hmm. I, I have experienced that, yeah. and, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I would have stuff like that, and then, um, and this is even, and this is weird, after reading The Power of Now, uh, and I understand I always reference The Power of Now specifically, <laughs> I hear you, it's just the easiest go-to out it. of all the material, because it's just, uh, it's, it's Thank you. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. Um, it's in the noggin. There's other ones too, but whatever. Yeah, I know. Long story <laughs> short, uh, and yeah, I did have an epiphany after reading it, and I was completely fine. I actually had great, amazing social skill for a little while. Mm-hmm. What ended up happening is, uh, okay, long story short, I'm not going to get into all the details of it. There's actually a whole story here. So I'll, just to make it very short, for some reason, I had uh, regressed to a point when I felt social anxiety again. Mm-hmm. The reason can be talked about later on a different podcast because it's a whole different thing to open up. Okay. But um, yeah, I, I had to uh, give up on the fact that I was having uh, social anxiety. Be- and, and I understood intellectually acceptance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understood intellectually don't resist the moment. I understood intellectually uh, <laughs> don't, this, this is uh, an illusion like whatever I was experiencing and for whatever reason I'm thinking I need to react. Mm -hmm. Uh, I understood that the person next to me is just like me intellectually, Mm -hmm. but um, I wasn't feeling it. That intuition, man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. It's weird. As far as the mental dialogue was going, everything seemed to be on point Mm -hmm. as far as realizing what's going on there in terms of Mm self-awareness. But um, the only time when I had switched from... Uh, that uh, from being so tense and uh, twitchy mm-hmm. was yeah when I said okay I, I can't do anything about this anymore mm-hmm. like I, that's it I give up and actually I was actually kind of I was really frustrated at the time mm-hmm. uh, I think no I don't want to fabricate a memory I wanted to say something just now but I might have added something that is maybe is not real so mm-hmm. I don't want to do that mm-hmm. um but yeah, it was too. Uh, it was really bad. It was really bad, and it was to a point of like, okay, I don't care anymore. And then once I got there, uh, slowly, what I was doing started to kind of unravel. Uh, not unravel. It started to uh, collapse yeah. these behaviors, and then eventually I got out of it. Um, so yeah, that that was my experience with like two different things. Yeah. Um, there are other things as well. It just does nothing comes to mind. Or what would you change? Or what would you still work on, sort of improving? Right of, now? Yeah, like in terms of your behaviors. <laughs> it's a tough mm. one. <laughs> well, what, no, it's not. No, no, no. I'm sure. No, there's there's a bunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of my behaviors. Mm-hmm. Okay. In terms of like. Uh, okay. In terms of okay. Right. So, for instance, we've talked before. Uh, you've even offered for me to write a blog right. for you on, a, on the Leon's Existential Cafe. Mm-hmm. 
And I even said yes. Huh. And when was this that I said yes? <laughs> you know how many people? I, just It's all good, by the way, because I've had at least a handful of people tell me yes and never did anything. Right. Yeah. So here's the thing. Mm. And uh, and I actually don't like that for, for you know, just to put that on the record. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's like kind of like uh, there's this thing that you said you would try to do. Mm-hmm. But you haven't done it yet. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where either I could beat myself up for it or I could accept it mm-hmm. and attempt to build some kind of momentum towards writing. Right. So that's, for example, one thing that uh, I could definitely improve on. But simultaneously, I accept. Because mm-hmm. if I didn't, it would just, again, add too much mental baggage. Right. Um, what else... Let's see. Um, well, maybe learning more, um, learning editing techniques as far as uh, how to edit this uh, post production mm-hmm. or um, certain things about sound quality. For example, when we have a guest, yeah. uh, for example, the last guest we had, amazing. I love the guest. Thing is, I just, uh, there was an echo when he was speaking uh, in our version of the audio. There is a better version of the audio. We did include a link to that in the description of our last video. It's at the very top of the description. But even so, um, the original video had the echo, and uh, I, um, I, it's not even a perfectionist thing. I just, as far as you know, you want to put out a. If you're gonna put something out, you want it to be uh, to the best of your ability. <laughs> That's perfectionism. <laughs> What's the best of your ability? Okay. Knowing that your ability we is technically, not perfect. Well, we technically did. We did the best that we could. Ah, okay. We did. We tried our best and we right. did the best that we could. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'll say this. Um, since other ones that we did didn't have an echo, yeah. you would just... Ideally, you don't want to have the echo. I hear you. That's the main point. I mean, and we could get around that in the future. I think that there's some strategy. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah but also... Um, and it's been verbalized, right? Mm-hmm. But then uh, there's there's a point when um, action needs to be uh, right. more action needs to be taken. Mm-hmm. And I'll be honest with you, with the momentum of uh, uh, this is really behind the scenes <laughs> stuff, with the momentum of uh, work and other things, da da da, and just also wanting just to rest. Mm-hmm. For instance, if uh, I had gotten back, uh, normally I would have gone to the the to. I feel I don't want to even say it because oh. of how much resistance there is to it. Like I know you don't like how much I bring up, but I wanted to go oh, to the gym. Yes. Is that where you're going? I want to go. Oh, to let's the... talk about your workout. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to go. Normally, I would go to the gym. I would yeah. come back. Maybe it's eight o'clock, eight thirty. Right. Mm-hmm. At that point, I just want to rest, mm-hmm. and it's not that much time till I would have to go to sleep to get an adequate amount of sleep before the next work day. Right. And uh, with the amount of time there, it just. It's not that I, I. It's not that there's no free time. Mm-hmm. It's just that I need to build momentum in terms of um, carving out time I hear you. to do things that would benefit not just the podcast, other things in life in general too. Yeah. And um, that's something to simultaneously <laughs> accept. Yeah. And work on. Now here's the thing. What's good about it is. Uh, because I accept it, I don't think I'm just saying that I accept it just to sound like I accepted it. Gotcha. Um, I, here and there, I'll think about it. So you can argue that would be resistance. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. But I'll say this. By accepting it, 
I'm sure that there will come a point because I kind of have this pattern about me mm-hmm. where uh, when I see what I'm doing, but I don't add resistance to it, mm-hmm. but I tend to take these little like baby steps towards completing the action. It does take a long time, mm-hmm. which uh, are from a productivity standpoint in terms of let's get this done. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of creating a change and a lasting change, it does work like these baby steps towards kind of building momentum towards doing these things that you know you're supposed to Mm -hmm. but you you should accept that you're not doing because uh, you would just yeah again add more baggage i hear you yeah all right yeah well we have pretty much come to the end of the road oh cool episode what 20 damn crazy man what oh yeah <sighs> all right all right so guys yeah. follow us everywhere seriously <laughs> follow us everywhere where anywhere where you could find podcasts yeah uh, mainly on apple and um google play oh and if, and if also if you guys can please write us a review so we really read all of them whenever we get the chance technically we, yeah. we don't have that many <laughs> but we will read all of them and it would really mean a lot to us because it would get us up higher obviously in the news and news and what is no news and noteworthy section and then obviously kind of for us that'd be pretty cool because we'll get to expand our audience and if we get to expand our audience who knows maybe we'll be able to improve the quality of the show that'd be that 100 percent. yeah uh actually we're looking into one day getting a patreon and maybe getting more money for better equipment and stuff like that yeah but that's a different story we'll hear more about that as time goes on but yeah, if, if you want to follow us, follow us at Seize the Moment Podcast on Facebook and on Instagram and at Seize underscore podcast on Twitter. Yep. Uh, remember to subscribe. Hit the bell. Hit the bell. Mm-hmm. And, and leave a comment. Leave a comment. Yep. Tell us what you think. Uh, tell us about your journey with self-acceptance and simultaneously uh, growth and self-development. And yeah, look forward to the next podcast. I'll see you in 21. <laughs>